Hey, this is Barbara Corcoran. You are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This episode is presented by AT&T Business. If there's one thing a small business needs to survive today, it's great technology. And yet most small business owners are late to adapt and they're scratching their heads wondering, what the heck do I need? What do I really need? And do I even need anything at all? I'm excited to be joined today by two uber smart guests, Stacy Marks and Sunny Hare. Stacy is the president of National Business and Channels at AT&T Business. She works with all kinds of small businesses day in and day out, and she's an expert at pairing businesses with the right technology that they need to move their business ahead. We're also joined by Sunny Hare. He's the CEO of Remedy Health Solutions, a top healthcare IT consulting firm. And like millions of other businesses, he had to move fast on his feet when COVID shut down the in-person meetings and trainings that his business totally relied on. He's a common sense survivor, took advantage of the right technology, and pushed his business way ahead of his competition. Welcome, Stacy and Sunny. Sunny, everyone today has grown accustomed to virtual healthcare, like booking appointments online and talking to their doctor on Skype. Your business, Remedy Health Solutions is an expert in consulting with doctors and hospitals, helping them find efficient ways to share their information. You're in the business, from what I understand, of making the process easy and seamless so that everyone gets the information they need, including the patient. But people don't realize that behind the scenes, I didn't realize it, that there are massive amounts of patient data and information that needs to be shared if a patient's gonna get the medical care they need when they want it. I know for myself, I always take for granted that my doctor could just get my medical records when they need it. So Sunny, what is the main challenge you help your clients actually fix and how do you actually do it? Sure, so we, what we do is we make physicians' lives easier. Um, and we make it easier through when these hospital systems and, and, and clinics are going through a digital transformation. Um, the reason is we've recognized that the physicians are the focal point of this change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, we're looking at electronic health record systems as a whole. And it sounds easy when you say that we're going to take this paper and put it into an electronic form. But what happens is there's so many data points, not only from a registration standpoint, from a clinical standpoint, even from a, from a revenue cycle standpoint, putting it all together, that change actually is, 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 is very difficult, very cumbersome. Um, and so our job is to really help the physicians understand that those decisions that they're making eight to 10 months prior to when the system turns on of why they're making that decision, what it's going to look like in the end. Um, and we also go as far as training them and guiding them through the processes when this switch first turns on. Um, and it ultimately just comes to, it's, it's change management through a digital transformation. And one of the things that we use is we do peer-to-peer. So we're using our physicians who have been end users on these systems to help guide physicians through these changes. Mm-hmm. I would think using those end users uh, would give you tremendous credibility because it's a doctor telling another doctor, hey, this thing works, this is how I do it, versus you being the outside provider and telling them it's going to be great for them. 
absolutely that was the that was the entire premise behind it where the the knowledge transfer and and the comfort of of understanding that this was kind of a difficult change and having a peer kind of walk them through it and talk them through it and guide them it kind of gave them that 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 uh i go that sense of security like i i, I don't i don't need to be the smartest person in the room because that's yeah. usually what's perceived for physicians but you know what? I do believe it's a certain club, <laughs> certainly. And uh, I imagine even getting the physician's attention to even focus on what you're trying to initiate uh, had to be probably a tough challenge just at the get-go, right? It is. I mean, we, we don't, we, you know, we, I think when we think about this change, we're not, we're realizing that there's physicians that have been doing their job or their trade for 20 plus years. And now we're asking them to completely change the way that they work because of a tool that's being installed. And that becomes a very, very difficult thing to, to get someone to change to it. And that's where having other physicians come in and initiate these conversations, guide them through this process really helps. Yeah, it's a really smart tactic. I don't know if you think of it as a tactic. I see it as a smart tactic to get the attention you need. Uh, Stacy, you're in a very different position. You've got a very fancy title, AT&T Business. I'm going to read it to you. You're the president of National Business and Channels. And in that position, uh, you sit at the front seat of watching change as it happens with all kinds of businesses. So you don't have a single view. It's all kinds of businesses across the country. So what are your two top trends or what do you think are the two top trends you're seeing so far this year that in your mind are clearly, clearly here to stay? So our, the two biggest trends that we're seeing, Barbara, is number one, the shift, and I might even say the race to digital. Um, and then number two, the focus on the customer experience. So let me just take that for a minute and unpack it. So the shift to digital, we are seeing more and more SMBs adopt the digital mindset. And let me give you a proof point. The proof point is, according to McKinsey, e-commerce has grown 10 years worth in just simply three months uh, of the pandemic. So really... The race to digital, and you can see it in your own personal lives. You know how you like to interact. So as a business, uh, keep that in mind. There's also something that I have coined the phrase called digital, and we're seeing this more and more. And so simply, it's the bridge between um, a, a digital presence, maybe online, and a physical presence. So digital. So a few examples. Um, maybe I know that you're a workout fanatic, Barbara, maybe, uh, you choose to work. (laughs) Maybe you choose to live stream that at home, Mm. but maybe I would choose to go to the gym. That's an example of that digital. It's really up to the consumer, but Mm. as a small business, uh, we need to be ready for both. Um, there's also other examples, maybe, um, churches, anything that, um, can cross and even, a grand reopening, if that's what your business is going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to talk a little bit more about customer experience. Uh, and let me give you another proof point for that. Mm-hmm. 77% of companies or of consumers say that customer experience is just as important as the product or service. Oh, that's sure. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So if you're a small business, keeping your customer at the front of your mind each and every day is super important. And what do customers want, you might be asking yourself. Um, it's no different than what you might want in your personal life. They want easy, intuitive um, user interfaces, 
online chat functionality. Um, an example might be they want to choose a product online, order it, maybe have a return. Super easy. Those are all examples. You know, I, I was, as you say, gave those examples, what was very much in my mind was last night I was trying to order from my favorite Italian restaurant that I used to eat in. And then now opening, so I was there once last week. But when I went online to order their dishes, it was just terrible. And I wrote them off my list. I felt kind of mean about that. But they weren't yeah. delivering on both those places that you said they should deliver. And as a result of that, they had poor customer service in my mind. And so I moved right on. And I discovered a new Italian restaurant I even like better. So, so I get <laughs> what you're talking about. It probably affects us in every single thing we do, I would think. Every single touch point we do throughout our days now. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. I got it. I got it. Okay. Back to you, Sunny. When COVID hit last March, I was stunned myself by the effect on all of the businesses I invested in on Shark Tank. I found that the sheer speed of change sent my entrepreneurs head spinning and panicking. Everyone was caught unaware. Of course, we all were. But only about, believe it or not, a third of my business owners were able to even acknowledge that things had changed and that they had trouble uh, putting in place what they were going to need to survive. Uh, so I'm going on perhaps too long, but like so many other businesses, your business relied on in-person visits as many of mine did, which of course stopped overnight. Boom, it was ended. But your immediate reaction wasn't to just lay low as many of my owners had done, but to turn to your partner at t Business for help. And they provided you with a five gig fiber solution to give your business an advantage. Can you explain why it was so essential to make that quick change to your business? I think what kind of what you mentioned in when COVID hit in March, it was it was a essentially it was a stop and it wasn't a stop across, you know, a city, state, country. It was the world. Mm. Um, and so we sat there thinking to ourselves are our, our, what we were doing with with especially when when these systems go live, we would send hundreds of resources out to kind of be this kind of support. And we knew with the pandemic that there was no way that we were going to be able to fly people from all over the country to a hospital that's fighting COVID, yet the oh. transition still had to happen. Um, and so we thought to ourselves, there's this, how can we do this virtually? How can we create this same model that we were doing in person, but, but in, in this virtual setting? Um, and, and, you know, one thing I think was mentioned to us was, and one of our colleagues kind of mentioned, innovation fueled by crisis. And what we saw was, so many people started adapting to things like Zoom and FaceTime and, and, and you know, Skype and things like that. So people were comfortable now having conversations in this kind of video setting where at first it was, it was a small percentage, but that percentage definitely grew over the pandemic. Um, and so when we thought about this, we were thinking, how do we not do this old school help desk model? Like where someone has, uh, someone has an issue, they pick up the phone, call, goes through an answering tree, all of a sudden, you know, five minutes later, you're, you're, you know, maybe you got your answer, maybe you didn't. And then on top of that, we knew that it had to be instantaneous because we're dealing with patients and we're dealing with patient lives. And, and, and we're looking at frontline workers who were dealing with COVID at that time because the Northeast was getting hit harder, a lot more than we were down South here in Texas. Um, So we, we came up with this uh, command center and we were like, we need to create this virtual command center. And the foundation of this command center was going to be what our broadband, what our what would be like, what would our internet be like? Mm-hmm. Um, we spoke to a few vendors, and AT and T was the only vendor that 
didn't ask us how big we were uh, and also was the only vendor that uh, took time to understand what we were trying to do. And, and Stacy, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong. Usually installing this is a two to three month period. And AT&T did this for us in less than three weeks. Wow. Um, which, was, which was phenomenal for us because that was the only concern we had on getting this up and running. Um, and, you know, one of the things that was a little bit crazy when discussing this with our team, I was like, we're going to build out a command center and we're going to bring people to the office when we were doing the exact opposite across the world. Um, and that was a, it was a hard thing. That was a lot of uh, evenings, me thinking, am I doing the right thing? Is this right? Am I going to, we took a lot of the CDC protocols into our office uh, where we had, you know, we had thermal scanners, we had every desk spread out more than six feet. Everyone had their own, um, you know, workspace and all that, because the premise was once again, we're working with the frontline workers. We need to get them up to speed so they can do their job on saving lives. Um, so, so we created this uh, command center and, and with AT&T's help with this 5G network, we had a hundred computers streaming high definition audio, high definition video, screen sharing, multiple monitors, anywhere from 12 to 14 hours a day for an entire month. And so without that type of network, we wouldn't have been able to get the results that we did. And, and the end result was that our client was happy and the experience that they had was because of the fact that we didn't have lag times and we didn't have this type of choppy network. And, and you know, being at home, you know that you, you don't need that much bandwidth. But when you have 100 system, computer systems literally attached to every component of a hospital, picture it, my gosh. You, you, you want to make sure that you have the best. Okay. You, so now, Stacy, help me understand this. I can't be the only one that this is a foreign language to, but why was fiber the right solution for Sunny's business? What, what was the actual real problem it solved? And can you explain to me in very simple layman's term what even fiber actually is? And also, is this something that other types of businesses could use? And last, that's a lot of questions for you, but you got it up so fast. Is that a typical turnaround time? Because that sounds like nothing short of a miracle. First off, what yes. is fiber? Why was it so okay. good? Yeah. Um, so when we hear the word fiber, what people really mean is fiber internet. And so fiber is kind of a buzzword, but let's be clear on what it is. It's a connection to the internet that goes over optics. And so that's a fancy word for glass. So if you oh. were to see a strand of fiber, it is super, super thin, uh -huh. um, very breakable, um, but it travels at the speed of light. So that's what makes it really fast um, and why it's really the gold standard in doing that. And so the benefit that Sunny just outlined is exactly the benefit to all customers. First of all, it has the same upload and download speed. You might hear that referred to as symmetrical. Don't be alarmed by those fancy terms. It just means that you can transfer a file through the internet at the same speed that you can download a file to your computer. That's it. Now, why is that important? In Sonny's area, that's super important to him because they're transferring um, video and pictures and communication with finite detail. Um, and you can imagine a physician would be so annoyed if they were trying to work their system and it was kludgy. It was maybe um, 
flashing in and out as an example. Um, those are items when we don't, that's not good. So fiber is the, that's why fiber is the gold standard. Um, it's also very cost effective. Um, it can be very secure. And one of, let me give you another example um, on how it could be used. We had a church in Texas uh, when the pandemic hit, um, of course, they couldn't have their services. And so they resorted to taping them and then having them online. But the congregation was reporting they couldn't even get through the service. It would um, oh. kind of bop in and out. And so uh, again, with that annoyance, right? And so what we did, just like in Sunny's, we put in a dedicated fiber circuit. And th what that did, it gave them enough bandwidth so it can be up to a gig, which is unbelievable, um, to really live stream. And I'm happy to report their congregation is super um, happy. Mm -hmm. So let me, you, one of the questions you asked is, what kind of businesses can use fiber? So let me give you some thought-provoking questions. And if this sounds like you, then you're ripe for fiber. So you're experiencing these slow speeds. So what that might look to you is when you're downloading an email, it's taking what for seems like forever. Um, you're concerned about security. Uh -huh. You're transferring large files. Let me think about, so if you're an architect and you have diagrams or you're in sunny business with anything healthcare, you're transferring pictures. Maybe you're in a collision business, mm -hmm. um, meaning that you check out uh, cars. If you're doing uh, any video, any of these instances say fiber is right for you. So one of the things that you asked is how quickly can we make the change to fiber? Yes. There are two types of fiber, shared fiber. That can be as little as three days, and that is often called fiber broadband. So think about that as shared broadband. And then dedicated fiber, which is what Sunny has, that is a, a, a think of it as a tunnel from Barbara, if you and I had a dedicated internet, you can think of it as a tunnel from me to you and nobody else can go on that tunnel. Maybe so, does it exist in space? Maybe that's a silly question. Yeah, so it goes through the internet cloud, but it's dedicated to just you and I. Hmm. Um, and so that, and that is, can install um, in roughly 10, 10 days. So what wow. Sunny was experiencing. Yeah. So in Sunny's business, if I could just give you a follow-up to that just for a moment. In Sunny's business, I could so easy, easily envision him being so dependent on so much information. But if your company right. wasn't using a lot of video, wasn't using a lot of massive files, uh, is that a candidate for installing fiber or is that, uh, not typically the person who would employ it. Yes, yeah, so um, I think actually nearly every business would in, in benefit from fiber. It's the what type of fiber. Do you want shared or dedicated? And let me give you an example. We recently had a jewelry store who, so single storefront, you might think, gosh, they don't need fiber, but they have a massive security system. So they're running cameras. And of course they want security because they're doing a lot of high value transactions. Yeah. So um, really the best thing to do is explore your options. Um, wow. And with technology, there's so many cool applications uh, that can be sped up in fiber. And so it just all starts with the, the simple question to yourself, what is it that I would like to solve? What problem, whether it be for the customer or for your internal? 
Um, and then don't hesitate to talk to other businesses just like yourself, because chances are they're in the same boat and have a lot of cool ideas. Yeah. You know, I've never heard a clear explanation of that. You made it sound like it was very, very simple, and I know it's not. Uh, so I think that's enormously useful how you explained it, you know. Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. Now let's get back to the show. Uh, Sunny, we're turning to you now. Uh, I have found, I don't think I'm alone <laughs> with this, that in tough times, it's often the best times to move a business ahead if you're paying attention uh, and you're not running for cover. Uh, I always find that new products and services are born in the worst of times. Uh, when I was growing my real estate business, I always moved ahead in bad times, because of, mostly because my competitors were slow to adapt because they were bigger and they were asleep at the wheel. And the world was totally open to someone who was trying to grab market share. How were you at that point in time able to regroup, recognize the opportunity for remedy in the midst of COVID? What were you keeping your eye on? What was the lesson that you learned in those times that pushed you ahead that you could share with our other entrepreneurs? That would be very, very useful. Absolutely. So I think I, the way that I felt was when, when March came around that if we didn't do something innovative, we might fail as a business. Were you scared at that moment? Like, oh God, I'm in trouble. I, I was, I was. I mean, we were going through, you know, 2019 and the beginning of 2020 saying 2020 is our year. Yeah. And when that first conference that we were supposed to go to canceled, it was like, okay, this is, this is becoming real now where, where, you know, this was where we got a lot of our, 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 uh, work from. And, and then when, you know, two, three weeks in, when everything started shutting down, I was, I was definitely scared. Uh -huh. um, and, and I think that's when the, the, the kind of innovation cap came on, like, how, how do we continue doing what we do and what do we need to do? Uh -huh. um, and, and, I, and I also thought to myself, someone's going to do it. Someone's going to, you know, we got a good motivation. I'm going to be scared. Somebody else is going to take it. Yep. And, and I knew that we had to be kind of the first of its kind of what we were doing. Um, and, and what I kept thinking to myself and what I was kind of, kind of letting our team know was that this was the opportunity for us to level the playing field with our, with our bigger competitors in our industry. Um, and, and so I was like, we, you know, and, and it was hard because a lot, we, everyone was so scared of, of, of the unknown that we were living in. It wasn't just, you know, unknown from a workspace. It was unknown of what's actually going on with the world. Uh -huh. um, and so, you know, I think being an entrepreneur, like you kind of mentioned, it's, it's risk. You have to take risks. It's, uh -huh. it's part of the part of what, what is yes. you know, out there for us. Uh -huh. um, can we make more risk a little bit calculated? We can, but I think when bad times come, other opportunities arise. And, and I think we, we looked at it in that lens and we were like, we have to do this. And we, we had the capability to pivot because of our size. I think the, like you said, the bigger, the bigger companies, they're, they're kind of set in the ways they have the way they have to do things and they're slower to move where we made this switch in, in a couple of weeks. We were like, all right, this is how we're going moving forward. And so I, I, when I, when I look at that and I think about that, I was like, we, you know, we had to do it. And, 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 and that was the scary moment was that if we don't do this, where do we end up? Yeah. And Sonny, I'm not looking for a comment on this, but don't you at least uh, maybe just agree with me on this, that having the smallness of size, when you decide, decide to make a quick left-hand turn, it's much easier to bring your people around to that way of thinking quickly 
uh, versus if you have to work through many layers and departments, you know. Uh, but um, still, you made a quick decision uh, to change your technology, just like that, right? Mm -hmm. And that was really the core or the most important decision you made right then and there? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought, okay. I, I'm actually sitting here wondering uh, what, what kind of uh, technology do I have in my shop here? I'm gonna look <laughs> at it right after, so I'm getting scared <laughs> sitting here. <you> know? <laughs> So Stacy, let's uh, lean on your great ability to communicate things clear clearly and help me with this. You know, we're all hearing all this talk about digital transformation. I wish it was smaller words. That alone is spooky. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding on how it applies to small business. It sounds like a big deal, big person kind of thing. It can also, I think, sound expensive and out of reach for a lot of small businesses. But with a strong virtual presence, not being an extra, but an essential every business now, how does a business owner decide, really, what tech do I need and what's the total waste of money? I think it stops a lot of people for even, from even looking into it. How do they yeah. decide? Barbara, thanks for that question because I think it's a super great one. And Sunny couldn't be a better case in point for this, which is <clears throat> digital transformation is, in fact, important for every size of business. And all too often we hear, oh, that's only for big business. Yeah, um, and it can be, yeah, it can be a bit scary. So um, let me just start with a definition and then give a couple examples. So really all it means is finding a technology that's going to help you, the small business owner, enhance the customer experience and or streamline your process. Mm -hmm. um, that's it. That's what digital transformation is. And so let me give you some, some examples. Um, it can be as simple as um, online chat, mm. having a user-friendly website. You talked about your website uh, in your restaurant. And if we remember in the pandemic, it was so annoying if you would go online to see if your favorite store was open only to find out they hadn't updated their website in a year. Remember that? So it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, so um, other businesses might move from using paper to digital. That's a great example. So those businesses who have a lot of people in the field, maybe they're filling out paperwork, just mm -hmm. move that to digital. It's so easy. Um, if you have a check-in process in your business, streamlining that, maybe you make that on an app. Also, getting rid of that paperwork in that example is too. Um, of course, it can be as big as completely shifting uh, like Sunny did and Remedy. They had an awesome job. But let me give you what I'm going to call three myths uh -huh. about digital transformation. So number one myth that I hear often is, oh, I upgraded last year. I'm all good. I don't talk about it. Uh -huh. The one thing I would tell you is this is not a one and done situation. Um, uh -huh. It's a journey because, man, businesses and um, technology is accelerating. Um, and I'll give you a proof point of that. Growing small and medium businesses are 65% more likely to have accelerated their pace of technology investments due to COVID. And that stat comes to us from Salesforce. So I think that I've completely busted that number, that myth. Um, number two myth is, oh my gosh, I don't even want to start because it's so complicated. I, I can't even do it. I get it. I think I get <laughs> Right? So, yeah, right? People say um, that all the time. That's right. And uh, so I think that you'll be pleasantly surprised 
to see how simple it can be. Many applications um, are, in fact, plug and play, or they have a really easy installation. Um, and it can make your business so much easier and allows you to get so much more done. So the third one is, man, digital transformation is a big word with a lot of letters. It must be expensive. The truth is, it doesn't have to be. There's a lot of cloud-based services and subscription-based services that are really affordable. Um, and in fact, if you employ them, you might even end up saving money in the long run. So those are three myths. Uh, the question that you asked is, gosh, where should I invest? So having said all of that, Stacey, what should I do? Number one, I would tell you to get um, a good internet connection, whatever that means in your business, something that will um, have your operations running smoothly and your end customers be very happy with that seamless integration. That really is the foundation. So number one, connectivity. Uh, number two, I would be remiss if I did talk to us about security. Uh, I often hear, you know what, Stacy, I'm, I'm a small business. I don't need security. According to Security Magazine, small businesses are, in fact, the number one target for cyber criminals. Um, and 60% of those attacked close within six months. So, gosh, 43% of the small businesses lack any type of cyber defense plans. So those two statistics tell you you're the number one attacked and less than half have even thought about it. That's probably why they're the number one attacked, right? Yes. The third thing I would say, after you get what I would consider the foundation of your business, so that is a great connection that enables your, your websites and your digital to do what you want it to do, and it's a secure one, the last thing I would say is collaboration tools. So whether that be voice, or something like WebEx meetings or Office at Hand, something that really enables you to connect with your customers and your employees. Um, can I tell you, uh, connectivity is so basic that it never crossed my mind. Yes. I don't think it even crosses most small business minds. And I have to thank you again, because I'm going to get on the line with my smart business owners and not just examine my own business, but I'm going to examine theirs. I haven't asked them these questions, you know? Yeah. They're not yeah. going to want to hear from me. They're going to be spending some money. <laughs> now, back to you, Sonny. At the start of the pandemic, you were smart enough to lean on your partnership with AT&T for answers. And you obviously didn't know what you needed to know and found out. But choosing the technology is one thing. But I often find making a change, the hardest part is getting your clients to accept what's new and what's different. What were you finding as the head of your company was the biggest obstacle you had to overcome? And what also was the smartest, if there is a smartest one thing even that exists, the smartest one thing you did uh, to get all of your clients on the same page with you so that it made the change happen? So I think one of the, one of the things that we underestimated was that we were implementing a new technology itself. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, we were adding another layer of technology to provide our support. Um, so you can see that gets a little bit overwhelming. All of a sudden, you're just like, what is all this? Um, and so we, we, we essentially what we want to do is we implemented tablets. So each end user would have a tablet 
where that live feed would happen. So then, then, then our support team could walk them through the different ways that they needed to go through and not have to be necessarily logged into the computer or waiting for them to log into Zoom or WebEx. They just actually just popped up on the tablet. Hey, I'm here, my name is so-and-so. I'm here to help you the next 12, 14 hours. Um, but that was the biggest obstacle we faced was just implementing new technology, but giving them more technology to implement their new technology. And all the learning um, goes with it. Not so easy. No, it's not. And I think from our from our client standpoint, originally kind of bringing this out, and and I and I say this wholeheartedly, the Northeast is a little bit more uh, up for innovation. Like, okay, you've never done this before, but the way you explained it, and the way that you're saying it, and the way that you demoed it, we'll go for it. Whereas in Texas was more or less, uh, we need you to do it once or twice before we do this. So we were fortunate we had a client in Massachusetts. And when we talked to them about this and showed them what we could do, they, you know, we had, we'd been them for, with them for about 18 months or so. So the trust was built there. And they were just like. It's so important to get that first believer in any, any, any kind of a change. My gosh, they're so valuable, those people. Absolutely. And, and I mean, the, the success of our business is, I, I still feel is going to come from them allowing us to do this that hadn't been done and which is, which was, you know, so happy that they were our client and so happy that they trusted us. And, and, and it worked in our, and it worked the way that we envisioned it to work. But I think when, when you asked about that obstacle, that's the one that was, was putting new technology on new technology. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, if you had been pitching me, I would have been really getting scared. If you had made your pitch, I'm going to put new technology on new technology. What do you think? I think I would run for that. <laughs> we come back to this Stacey, I've learned it takes, uh, I've learned this over many years, that it takes a special person to not only make it through a tough time, but to go beyond that and push their business ahead. Okay? Not everybody's a sunny. Few entrepreneurs can do it. And I found only a third of my entrepreneurs and I, they're carefully chosen. I felt they were all going to do it, but I work with them day to day and they didn't have that capacity is what I found. But you work with every kind of business in a much broader sense than I ever will. You've seen many survive through many tough times and you've watched business owners make their way through. But uh, tell me from your perspective, what kind of thinking does a business owner, if there's a thing as what kind of thinking, but that's the best way I could put it, does a business owner need to turn a crisis into opportunity? And from your perspective, do they all share the same attributes or are they all wildly different? Uh, I think that they are not wildly different, but certainly different. And so some people are like Sunny who jump right in um, and frankly, a little, a little fear, right? And, and changing environment goes a long way, but really it's the people who have the courage and the determination and more importantly, the vision to shift their business model. Um, and those type of people, what I see is they're connected within other, other businesses. So they um, are willing to look at other models and they do that pretty quickly and they're open to listening. So if you remember in Sonny's story, he talked about he met with many vendors. He probably got many different um, ideas on how to do it. And what differentiates people like Sonny is the willingness to seek um, opinions from many different people, but more importantly, the ability to then act mm-hmm. um, and not look back, right? And so number one, be willing to adapt. And number two, have the courage to follow and the determination to follow through on that. Mm-hmm. And Sunny, what do you say to that? When you're looking for straight advice, 
and solid information area that you don't already know thoroughly. Uh, who do you go for help? Who do you turn first and how do you start collecting your information? And also as a follow-up, uh, you've seen firsthand the huge benefit of looking for the right partners for guidance to navigate the tech landscape. And without it, I don't think you would have moved ahead of your competition as you have. No. But do you usually involve your other team members in figuring out the opportunity and what questions to ask? Uh, like, how do you lean on other people, not just outside the company, but within your own shop? So I, I, I look at it. I've got like three, three sectors, I would say. I've, I've got my family. I've got my, my wife and I've got my parents. I've got my brother. Um, Please tell I, me you're not asking your poor wife. I do. your children. <laughs> What you should do in business. Please tell me you spare her. You know, my, my youngest is 20 months old and he ah. says no, he says no to everything. So if I, <laughs> when I'm talking to him, if I can get him to say yes, I, I feel like it's going to be a good idea. Um, but I also have, I have our team here um, and our, and our uh, internal team that we have and such smart individuals, such, such just so many ideas. And, and a lot of the ideas I get, it comes from them. And I feel like my job is how do I execute these ideas? Um, and, and, and the third is my, my roommates from med school. Um, they've oh. all gone on. Some are still practicing. Some have become, you know, CEOs at health systems. Others have become uh, um, owners of, of different types of clinics, urgent care. So I still have a great relationship and it was four of us. And, you know, out of, out of the four, only one, one is still actually practicing medicine, ironically enough. Um, so that's the, the, the kind of uh, layers that I've built that really help me not understand, not only understand the decisions I make for the company, but the decisions I make as a whole. And I think without that support structure, I wouldn't be who I was. Let me ask you, just because I'm curious now, um, the, the med school pals that you lean on, uh, are they involved in your business? Are they working for you? Or is this like an outside board uh, like an informal board that you lean on to get their perspective? I would say definitely informal board. This is me texting on a Saturday or calling on a Sunday morning and just saying, hey, th what do you think about this or things like that? So it's, it's a, it, there's, they, they have no uh, connection with the actual business itself. I hope you're giving them all your free business uh, because they deserve something good. And it doesn't sound like there's a big payday in there anywhere. Well, yeah, absolutely. I've joked and I said, I'll take care of their kids' college education. You if, don't mean it. I <laughs> I'm going to give those guys a call or those gals a call and let them know what the real score is here. They're not going to be trusted anymore. <laughs> uh, so, Stacey, people come to you for very specific digital and technical solutions that I've already learned that you can answer so clearly. Um, but at first sight, they sound confusing and scary. So in a technical business with so much complicated jargon, not just about to the outside, to your customer that's confused, but how do you teach your own team to communicate in a really clear, simple manner so that business owners get comfortable when they talk to them in making a decision and moving ahead? I hear you speak so clearly. How do you teach your team to speak that way and what they should and shouldn't say? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for that uh, compliment. And I would say that it starts with, uh, and Sunny mentioned it, which is we do not product, what I'm going to call product pitch. Uh, so we are truly interested in how do we help the business thrive? And so for Sonny, we want to really understand his problem. 
Um, and then understand, gosh, what are some things that maybe he's not even thinking of that are in our expertise? So it all, I would say, starts with that curiosity and teaching the curiosity by having questions that will help uncover uh, between the client, like Sunny, um, and our tech team. The other thing I do, and of course, it all starts with me, myself, but also I think of how might I explain this? Because um, as you can imagine, whether I'm on um, the children's practice fields or at a party, um, I feel like I'm my family's own personal tech advisor. Um, how would I explain it to them in a way that means something to them? So I'm a big believer in simple and easy. And so while we're aware, in fact, even masters of all this jargon, I think it's overwhelming. And the small and medium business in particular, um, what the number one thing I teach my team is they're so excellent and putting their family's uh, money on the la line each and every day, they don't really know the technical jargon. That's, our, that's up to us. They're really relying on us. So it's up to us to make it really simple, easy, intuitive, and most importantly, solving their problems, just not throwing all of that jargon out. Hugh, I'm curious, do you ever role play with the people that work with you in the team who are going to be the interface with the customer outside to see how they're doing, how clear they are, whether they could talk the way you talk and explain things well? Is that part of your uh, built-in training? How do you get that done? Yeah, not only do I role play, I go out and cold call. Uh, with the with them wow. and I will literally say you take this client I'll take that client um, and wow. that's the best learning in the beginning it's nerve-wracking um, but gosh that's how you really learn is um, doing it like that so the cold call we wow. practice what we call the elevator pitch how do you get your information concise wow. and that really anybody can do a presentation with a gazillion words wow. on a slide right the trick is having a clear and concise presentation that is so intuitive. Mm -hmm. And you know what, I think you in some sense are selling yourself short because you know what I'm hearing between every line you're saying is I think you do a phenomenal job listening to that client. You really listen to what they need and then you suit them well with what, they, what you feel would accommodate them. But I think that listening is a rare quality today, especially in large businesses that have the capacity to really help businesses get along and build their, build their business. But the ability to listen, I think, is uh, almost an old-fashioned thing. So I'm sure that's a key to your success as well. That's correct. Yep. Thank you. And I'm just going to back reference a second because uh, because Sonny earlier said uh, that uh, he was never asked when he called AT&T uh, the important question, how big are you? That's such a telltale question when people ask me, how big are you? Well, I'm small, so I guess I'm not important, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what a wonderful way to start. Nothing could be further from the truth, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Sunny, uh, we're gonna do a rapid fire question or two right now. Rapid fire, so you gotta talk fast, I'm gonna speed my speed up. What's your best piece of advice for other business owners today to deal with rapid change? Uh, change is inevitable. Uh, and we have to get accustomed to it. And and without change, we don't grow. Um, so I think it's it's something that we just have to push through. Even though it's hard, we just have to push through and get and and get acclimated with it. You're good at this rapid stuff. I see. Okay, <laughs> Stacy, you got to measure up here. How about okay. you? What's your one closing piece of advice? I'm going to close it with this advice: make it good for small business owners. 
All right, small business owners, customer, your customer needs are changing daily. Be ready to adapt. What? You win. That's quick and concise. <laughs> okay, you won. Okay. Terrific advice from each of you. I should have done rapid fire from the beginning. Boom. <laughs> We'd be having tea by now or cocktails. All right. So thank you very, very much for being here, really. And thank you for being so direct with you with your answers and so clear, which I put great importance on. Uh, so thank you for sharing your knowledge and thank you for all of your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you and Sunny, congratulations on your successful transformation. Thank you, thank you both. Thank you for having us on here as well. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual Hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.